We're in Romans uh, chapter 8 as we're making this this, uh, leapfrog from one pad to the next, finding uh, security and foundation in each step that we take. We are glad to be together as a family. Family really does mean a lot. And can you imagine, you know, walking to, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, spending some time in England. Uh, my family is from Scotland, and I got to go up near Edinburgh and, and see kind of a general area. And uh, from uh, where my family grew up, my grandmother's uh, mom and dad, and where they, where they were, that area where they were born and from, And so it was kind of neat, but being in Scotland, or not in Scotland, but in England was really neat because I was given a car, got to drive on the wrong side of the road and, and, uh, or the right side, depending on where you, how you think. But um, for a dyslexic person, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) So I just flipped my brain and kept on going. And uh, truth be told, I just followed the person in front of me (laughs) and hoped they were going the right way. I had a great time, but you know it was great to go to the where the Queen of England held Parliament, and and to go there and to see the the guards and the changing of the guard, and to see we got to see the the Queen of England being uh, the parade and the all the circumstance and pomp and circumstance. You know everybody going into the to the Parliament, and uh, so I got I got to be there during that time. And can you imagine going up and saying, "Yeah, no, I'm I'm a you know I'm the daughter of the Queen." And just walking right on in. So, yep, I'm a daughter. Right? So a lot of times, uh, family means everything. So a lot of times we call ourselves family, but it really doesn't mean as much as it has in the past. A family was more than just saying you were family. It was part of your name, right? The son of. It's where we got, you know, first name, middle name, last names. It's describing who you are. Your family was known for something. Growing through history, a lot of times your family was associated with a practice or with an ability or things. And your family had a whole life and character of its own. Family was important. And or it was not important to be Uh, Not tied to a family could be very bad. It would mean that you probably weren't going to have help in taking care of your basic needs, not being tied to a family. So a family and a family name and an inheritance was very vital all through history until recent ages. And for some people, it's still true. Traveling through Togo, traveling through Togo, West Africa, and going to different other parts of the world, you can really see how family life plays an importance in society. Here in America, it really has become more about individualism. And so we, we really take family for granted many times. What we see here is as God is taking us through Romans, as Paul is preaching to the Romans, and God is preaching to our hearts this morning, he's helping us, he's going through and showing us the family that we now belong to. He's saying there's no, there's no condemnation anymore in your life if you belong to this family. 
He says, he says, children of God, sons of God, and he's going to continue to go on and talk about calling him father. We're going to see how this family metaphor, the language, is all about what the Spirit is doing in our life and directing in our new family that we find ourselves in. So let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of his word as we look at this family language this morning and what does it mean about our relationship with the Lord, our walk with God, and just in being together as a church, as a church is the term ecclesia, coming together to God's family. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these very meaningful words that you have given us. Your word, words of life, words of truth, Lord, and it's the word of Christ. It's the spirit of truth. We hear all these terms and it's, it's meant to speak to our hearts and to encourage us and to teach us to know who you are and to direct us. So Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to be a family from the youngest to the oldest, but all directing our attention to you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for what you are going to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12, we know that he's saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he moves on that because he's saying we're no longer apart or dominated by the old way of living, the old family, the old life of the flesh. But now we're in Christ. And if we're in Christ and we're being led by the Spirit, we're not being, our mind isn't focused on the flesh. Our mind is focused on this new life that's been given to us in Christ. He's saying, and, and if we're being led by the Spirit, then we are sons of God. We're part of His family. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit is that if it, when you're saved, you are being led by this new family. And he goes on to explain why we don't have any condemnation. Because we've been justified by the work on the cross, by what Christ did for us, by paying for our sins, by taking God's wrath towards our sin and giving us his righteousness when he died and rose again, conquering death. And that's going to play into our text and what it means to be a part of the family of God. Verse 12, and we're going to look at verses 15 and 16 this morning. But verse 12 and following, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you'll put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
This is an amazing family talk. It's amazing because we've been talking about being led by the Spirit. This morning, we're going to really highlight this idea of being liberated by the Spirit, what the Spirit continues to do in our life. Remember from last time what we talked about, we are led by the Spirit as we cooperate with His leading. He is leading, and He's going out and showing us where to go, but we need to cooperate and listen. It didn't say, by the way, that we are being driven by the Spirit. It says we are being led. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, it does, he said that, that, in fact, he says, as many are driven by the Spirit of God? No. No, the devil is the driver. He's the one that he pokes, he prods, he pushes, he drives you. He gets, he's like, you, you have to do this. You're missing out. And he pushes and he pushes and he pushes until you say, okay, well, I'll try it. And he's like, I gotcha. I put my hook in you. And that's not what the Spirit does. The Spirit leads. What he means by that is this. He leads us to repentance, to see who we truly are. The Holy Spirit is working in us and saying, man, I am not perfect. I am not good but God is good. And we run to the Lord in repentance. He leads us to think little of ourselves and much of Christ. We, we, we stop thinking how great we are and we think about how great Christ is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He magnifies Christ. He leads us to the truth. I love um, that story. I think I've mentioned it in the past. But I love the story when John MacArthur was talking about, he was asked a question. He says, do I need to go, um, you know, he says, I've, I've done this, this, and this. And a pastor, he's like, I've been studying all these things. And do I need to go get my doctorate at the seminary in order uh, to be better or to be the, you know, the, the best preacher I can really be? Is that, will that make all the difference in the world? And he said, no, listen, I was invited to go below a restaurant in, in the Scottish Ireland area and to go down and he it was like a cave and they walked down the stairs and they went down and they, everybody kept saying, you got to go meet this guy, you got to go meet this guy, you got to go meet this guy. And he walks down and, and, and just these candles at the bottom and there's this guy and they sat there and they talked for hours and hours and MacArthur was just asking him question after question after question about theology and about God and at the end, MacArthur's, he said, I couldn't believe it. He's like, where did you go to school? You know, you know God so well. You know the scripture so well. He goes, where did you go to school? And he said, right here, year after year after year after year after year. He says, I just spent the last 50 years just reading my Bible right here. And that's what the Spirit does. It leads us to God's truth. It magnifies Christ. It makes less of us. He leads us into love. That's what makes the church family very loving is, is, is when we are cooperating with the Spirit, we make much of Christ, we make little of ourselves, and we love because God's love is flowing through us. And so it leads us into love. 
leads us into holiness. You know what's interesting is, is it's not saying that we are holy. It's far from it. We'll never be holy. But it leads us into God's work of holiness. It's his work. He is doing this amazing ministry as he leads us. The Holy Spirit is ministering and is teaching us about this new family that we've been dropped into. The old family was over here in this this flesh family that was like, it was just a wreck, right? Have you ever watched, you know, after the first snow over the pass, there's usually a 20, 30 car pile up, right? That's what we are like when we live according to the flesh. When we're in the flesh, when we're not saved, it's just one wreck after another. But when we're in the family of God, he leads us. He's ministering us, and he's teaching us about our new family. You have a guide. Have you ever... Now, Saba knows, right? Because he's here. He's an exchange student. I've been... I've went over and lived in another country for a period of time. And it's like... You need to know things. There are certain things you do and there are certain things you don't do. There are certain things you say and there are certain things you don't say. But how do you know that? Having a guide is really important. The Holy Spirit is our guide to this new family. He is leading us, teaching us, ministering to us. He's comforting us and showing what our new family is all about. Can you imagine that? You've not only been brought into the family of God, but now you have a guide. A guide who loves you, who resides in you. That's what God is telling us. That's what Paul is telling to the Roman church. And he gets into this, well, what does this mean? And he's like, well, let me even tell you more bluntly about what does this mean, right? And so he leads us into usefulness. But here's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit liberates us from the bondage of sinfulness that deepens fear. Verse 15, he starts off, he says, right, the negative, for you did not. The word not there is the strongest negative in Greek. It says you definitely did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Well, in the context, he's talking about the, the, the law. He's talking about the bondage of the law, the slavery that the law brings. The law of how do we get right with God? Well, the only way they could approach God, the Jews, was to follow this ceremonial law to be declared right in in order to approach God. But it was fearful. They were afraid because if they went into the Holy of Holies, they would die because they couldn't couldn't exist and coexist with God face to face. They didn't have that. In fact, when you think of the Holy of Holies and you think of the veil, and we, we hear about the veil being torn when Jesus died and rose again, We think of it sometimes in our brain. It's kind of like a tissue paper. You know, it's like, and it ripped. We're talking about six inches of fabric. It was woven. It was like different 
things of fabric all woven together. It was thick. And it was just, boom, ripped in half. He's like, come on in. Right? He's sitting there. He's like, that was what they were under. This, this bondage, they had to do the law. And he's saying, that's not what you received. When I gave you my spirit, I didn't, when you, I brought you into this new family and I gave you a new spirit to reside in you, to lead you, I didn't bring you into this new family to be a slave. The spirit of slavery. He's describing a person that is prevented from freely possessing or enjoying Life. The bondage of slavery was meant that they weren't truly free to enjoy their relationship with the Lord. Slavery to sin, by the way, brings slavery to fear. A sinful life is a fearful life. It's one of the great and greatest works of the Holy Spirit is is that when he puts us into this new family, we're not under this fear state any longer, but we have a new relationship. He has delivered God's children from both sets of shackles, setting the captive free. See, Israel received a spirit of bondage in which they were placed under the law. And and you think about it, you look at the Old Testament, they were always dealing with, they had to do certain things so much, and they they lived in this idea of that they had to do, do, and do more, do more, do more, do more, and never stop doing in order to be right with God, and they were always afraid that they didn't do enough. I was listening to one of the guys talk about Purim, or he was talking about during the... um, one of the feasts, and they were talking about, right before the Feast of Sukkot, they were talking about how they had to go through this whole week of fasting and, and confessing and, and their sin and, and all this kind of stuff, and, and they had to then offer up this sacrifice in which if they confessed all of their sins, then they were, they were free of that sin. And, and one of my friends asked the guy, he goes, do you feel saved, Right? So Paul and, and there was another guy we were talking about in Sunday school that was another rabbi guy. And it's, it's a common thing. A lot of Jewish believers talk to Jews and say, well, did you really feel saved from your sins? Do you feel free from your sins? Do you feel? And they're like, well, no, not really. We have to do it all over again. They were a slave to it. But that's not what we've been given in this new family. I love what Hebrews 2 says. What God tells us here in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, he says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, right? He himself likewise partook of the same things. And through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. I like that. It's very clear. And deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to a lifelong slavery. 
right? Because of our new family, when God saves you and I, when he saves us, he has put us, he's a, we're going to see this, he's adopted us and put us into this new family. Paul reminded Timothy, by the way, and he says he did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but one of power and love and discipline, a sound mind. The Holy Spirit has given us not a spirit of fear, but one that is powerful and loving and disciplined. John reminded the believers of the truth when they talk about all through 1 John about how do we know that we know that we know that we've been saved. I've heard a lot of people explain it. It's like, how do you know that you know that you know? And he's saying all throughout 1 John, there's the word know all over the place. And he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. And of course, he's talking about God's spirit doing the work in our life, God's work, perfect sacrificial work of dying on the cross for our sins and saving us. This is not what he's given us. He didn't give us fear. See, the more that we look back on fleshly things and we focus on self and we focus on all these things, the more we put ourselves into bondage and the more that we lead towards fearful things. Fear of being caught, fear of what we're like, fear of what people think of us, fear of, it's just a, the list of fears just expound when we live in the flesh. But that's not what God gave us in our new family. See, the Holy Spirit liberates us, takes us out of bondage. He, he broke the change of sin, of the flesh, of the consequences of sin, which leads to death. And he liberated us to be re- relocated. I like relocation. Relocated. Now, if you're relocated, you know, like into a mansion, that's great. If you're relocated, you know, from a mansion to the streets, that's a different relocation, right? But he says he relocated to an intimate position of privilege. I chose each one of these words very specifically. Kind of helps you see. He says, we didn't receive a bondage of slavery, spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear, but we have, going back to a point in time when we were saved, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is amazing. Paul tells us, that there's something far bigger, far better. He does it by using the term adoption. He used a term that the Romans would fully grasp and understand. It's amazing as many of us don't truly understand how important in our salvation, in our, in our new family, how much adoption is important, how important it truly is. We don't truly grasp it. But the word adoption literally means to be installed. Kind of like, you know, take something and install it into some new software. Right? You're you're taking it out and you're putting it into something else. That's what the word literally means, to be installed. It's a pretty amazing 
word. It's basically, in our context, it's being placed into a new family. Relocated from one family to another family. To be relocated from one family name into another family name. It's, it's great. This is amazing what God is telling us here. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. This is what he's done for us. Sinclair Ferguson rightly says it this way. He says, understanding adoption should mean that our own sense of the great goodness and love of God is immeasurably enriched day by day in our life. John Murray, by the way, who was the professor to Sinclair Ferguson, (laughs) said this. He says, adoption as a term clearly implies it is an act of transfer from an alien family into a family of God himself. This is surely the apex of grace and privilege. This is the height of privilege. We have been adopted. Let me tell you how the Romans do this. Amazing. This was amazing. Julius Caesar adopted Octavian. Octavian wasn't actually born from Julius Caesar. By the way, Octavian, who later became the emperor Caesar Augustus. In the Roman world, an adopted son was deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name, his rights, his estate, everything. And actually had a higher status than even birth kids. It's, it's, there's, key, there's three key things that all Romans during this time knew about adoption. That one, that the father had absolute right for everything. A father could actually disown a biological son. But you know what he could not do? He could not disown an adoptive son. See, the, the father was like the highest status in the Roman Empire. He could get rid of his wife. He could get rid of his kids. He could do all sorts of things. He had absolute authority. Now, and this is true. If a, a father at 90 didn't have any sons, he could adopt a 70-year-old. It's like, you know, it's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm the, the you know, great-grandson of the queen, right? It's like, I want to be adopted by, you know, wouldn't that be great to be adopted by Pastor Ralph? Yeah, that'd be great. You already have been, I can tell you that. He loves you dearly. Right? But that's the thing. The father had ultimate authority over everything with the family until his death. A father in ancient times had the the power of life and death over all his children. A father under Roman law um, that his son would never be, that his adopted son would never be out from underneath or he would never be controlled by somebody else. He always was underneath his dad. Interestingly, the biological son could be disowned, like I said, 
but the adopted son could never be disowned. By the way, what, what about if you adopted a son and then had a son? The adopted son had the right before the biological son. It's, it's the adoption was big, and Paul is bringing it in here by the power of the Spirit to help us to understand what God did when he saved us. Why we don't have condemnation? Because we're in a new family. We've been adopted. But the Romans didn't just stop there with the right of the father. was that you had the right of the adopted son. Like I said, he couldn't be disowned. He was guaranteed all the legal rights to his father's property, position, wealth, privileges, in law, by the way, the old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out. It was gone. When a, when a father adopted a son, when he adopted a member in his family, he had to, if there was debts associated, so say a lot of guys adopted a 20-year-old in Roman Empire, wasn't uncommon for a 20-year-old to be adopted, a, an older teenager to be adopted. It was pretty common practice but if there was any debt associated to his life, it had to be paid. That should sound familiar. This is what the Holy Spirit has done for us. He's given us the spirit of adoption. The adopted person lost all rights to his old family and gained all the rights to the legitimate, as a legitimate son to his new family in the most binding legal way possible. He got a new father. Roman law made it explicitly clear that the adopted child had exactly every right and privilege that the father had. This should start opening up our eyes even more. That's why we've been relocated to an intimate position of immense privilege. There's also in the Roman law the, the disappearance of the old life. I already touched on it, but the adopted son in Rome was regarded as a new person entering a brand new life. Old life was gone, new life had come. You were no longer seen based on your old life. It doesn't matter how bad or how good you were. That no longer mattered. All that mattered was the new family you now found yourself in. This verse is so amazing. Because you think about being a slave to the law, as we read in Galatians, and we listened in Galatians 4, as we see here, the law is cold. It's very cold. It's very intrusive. It's a taskmaster. It's a whip. It's driving. But the Spirit of the Lord is intimate. It's intimately drawing us to Him. Saying, you are my son. I have adopted you. Come The language in the Old Testament, by the way, does not refer to God as Father. They just don't. It's not this warm, lovey, 
gooey, you know, whoo, let me throw, I loved last night after, after not having my family all week except for the older kids. Uh, you know, the, I walked in late, the kids are singing in the choir, and you can see them <laughs> get all excited, right? And I was just like, as a dad, that's like, ooh, you know, it's like, I love that. Smiles, the laughter, I'm like, <laughs> concentrate, <laughs> you know, because they're in drama doing their choir. But the language in the Old Testament is always with being under the thumb of the law and being at arm's length with God. That's what the law does. It keeps us at arm's length. But the language after Christ saves us, after the language of the New Testament, after we see the justifying work on the cross, it's so intimate. It's intimate with the Lord, and and the Spirit of the Lord is drawing us intimately closer and saying, come here. Let me help you understand what it means to be a part of the family of God. Let me disciple you. Let me train you. Let me show you what it means to be a family. That's what he's taught. This is the language that he's speaking to the Roman church, and he's speaking to our hearts. I like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. You have been now brought near by the blood of the Lamb, by grace through faith in Christ, the full atoning, the payment, the work of God has been done. God's Holy Spirit literally is filling our lungs. He's filling our hearts. He's, he is now leading us. He has liberated us from the old family that was dead and brought us into the new family that's life. You have been brought near. That's what it means to be adopted. This is what he's talking about here. We, those that have been saved, that, that know that what Christ has done for them and they've, they've turned from that life over here, this family of flesh, and now have been brought into this new family by the work of Christ on the cross when he rose again, conquering death, he liberated us and adopted us as his children. Full rights, full privileges. And we see here, it's so intimate, by the way, that you cry, my father. It's Abba, father is father, father. Or daddy, daddy, right? The idea is not... There's no reading between the lines. It's intimate. It's like, Father! (laughs) Father, Father. Abba in the Aramaic is very intimate. It's, It's tenderness. It's like basically saying, I have a sweet father. I I know, I can tell you what it's like to finally feel for the first time of actually having a real father. At, and that for me was at 32. I was, ado- I was adopted legally when, uh, two years after I was born. And then I was adopted at 32. And I'm like, wow, Lord, it really encouraged my heart to think about what God had done for me. 
I remember praying and saying, Lord, I don't need a father. I'm 32. I got three kids. I'm, or I am a father. I don't need a father. And boy, was I wrong. I had to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> but God brought me a father and who adopted me again. And it was precious. That's what this language is all about. The Holy Spirit is assuring and guaranteeing our inheritance. It's, I want you to understand this idea of, of that he guarantees this because we're adopted sons and daughters of the king. Not just the king or queen of England or of some other country. Of God, our creator, our savior. You know, that pesky Roman emperor that nobody really likes, Nero, burned down Rome, blamed the Christians, right? Did you know that he wasn't also birthright, physically born in the lineage of the Caesars? This is how binding adoption is after uh, Nero's father died when he was three. After Claudia confiscated, um, or I'm not Claudia, I'm sorry, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but they confiscated Nero's family wealth. He and his mother found themselves quite poor for a time, destitute. Things changed dramatically when Agrippina married her uncle, the emperor Claudius, that marriage was the means of Nero's rise to power. Agrippina managed to get Nero adopted not only as a son of Claudius, but an heir to the throne before Claudius' actual sons. Claudius had sons. Because of the adoption, Nero inherited the throne. Guys, as believers, we're adopted into God's family. We're not just a Christian. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is saying, this is no longer your family. This is your family, and I'm going to show you what it looks like. I'm going to show you who your father is, not will be, is. I'm going to show you what it's like to be a family in the family of God. He's going to lead us. Ephesians 1, 13, it says, In him, in the Lord, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Talking about a seal, it was a stamp that went on, official document, right? To show that this is from the emperor himself. If you broke it, you broke that seal, and you were under the penalty of death by the emperor, but the, this is like, this is how you knew it to be true. It was sealed. And God's saying that the Holy Spirit was given to your life when you were saved to be a seal to his promise that you belong to him. Verse 14, 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance, that we belong to the family of God. Did you get that? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's why Paul said, I, my one purpose in life is to know Christ more. When he talks about, and to know the power of his resurrection. He's talking about one day being raised as Christ was raised, to be raised with Christ, to live for eternity with him. Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption when Christ returns and brings us home. Our eternal home. Not this home. But we still live looking in this life like we belong here. This is not our home. You know, we're just passing through. Kind of a cool song. <laughs> we're just... You know, it, it just catches our attention, you know, as we're driving along. Oh, yeah, look at that. Or, oh, yeah, look at that. But the reality is we're, we're on our way to our eternal home. So what does this mean? Adoption means that you have a new family. It means you have a new family. The old is gone, right? We're no longer, when you're adopted... All the debt has been paid of the past life. Does it sound familiar, right? Our debt's been paid. Christ paid for our debt when he died on the cross for our sins. When God says, I'm going to adopt you, he sent his son to pay our debt so we can be adopted into his family. Old is gone, right? And the new has come. The new family has come. Adoption means that we have a new privileges. We have this privilege of, of crying out, Abba, Father, 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 Daddy, Daddy. I need help. I'm a sinner. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm struggling with this new family life. I'm still taking off all the, the, the dirty clothes of this earth, still dealing with my sin, dealing with the heart, the sin that's in my heart. But we have this new privilege to boldly come to our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be his name. Everyone that is saved is born again into full rights. John 1.12. All those who have believed in him, he's given the right to become the children of God. Why? The right is because he's paid the right to give you the privileges of this new family. Adoption means that you have a new responsibility. With a new family comes a new responsibility. We're not living like the old family. We're living in the new family. That's what the Holy Spirit's helping us to understand, is how to live in this new family. As you look at this, and you understand how precise adoption is when he says he's given us the spirit of adoption. You realize you are rich now. 
Because we have been adopted by the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. In Ephesians 1, when he says we've been given all riches pertaining to heaven, the heavenly riches. Because why? Because we've been adopted. So don't live like a pauper. Why are you acting like... When we live in the flesh, we're living like paupers, like this world has something to offer. It's all going to be gone one day, but the Lord will live forever. You have the Holy Spirit. If you've put your faith and trust in Christ, it's no longer about you. You realize, man, I'm I'm flesh. I'm not good. You repent and you trust in what the Lord did, that He paid for your sins so that you can be found right in God's eyes, be justified in God's eyes. And he he saves you by the work of Christ on the cross and the resurrection from the dead, conquering death, and he ushers you into this new family. You have the Holy Spirit. Don't live in the flesh. You've been given the Holy Spirit. Why go back to the flesh? But you have access to God. Use it. Pray. Talk to him. He's your father. He's your father that wants you to come near when you're sinning so he can help you get rid of that sin. So you're no longer enslaved to this life, this old family. You have been given gifts in this new family of God. Use them. Enjoy them. You've been given brothers and sisters in Christ. Lean on them. Enjoy them. You have a new new set of family that can come around and hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. That's the beauty of it. We're not just thrown out on the street because we have a family. God doesn't kick us to the curb. He gives us a new family. We've been set free from Satan's power, right? Because the old life is gone. The new has come. God has destroyed all that. He's paid our debt of our sin. Don't mess around with that anymore. We're no longer dominated by the flesh and the desires of the devil. We've been given a new life. Pursue it. Enjoy it. Learn from the Holy Spirit. Let him guide you. He is guiding us. Are you listening? He's showing you all the things about your family. You have a new family. Stop living like we belong to that one. The old one. Why make much of the old family when we have the new family? Make much of the new family. And watch what God does. That's why it's so precious about our church. It's not because we're making much of ourselves, but we want to make much of Christ. And we got to continually do that. As the Spirit leads us, the more we're honest 
and we preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We don't get saved every day. We just remember what God did to adopt us into his new family and say, I'm going to enjoy that family. And God's going to direct you to new desires. He's going to put new desires in your heart that are associated with this new family. The Holy Spirit has liberated us from the old life and given us adoption as sons. It means a whole lot more than what we think of adoption today. What family do you belong to? I pray that you say it is, I, I pray that you just don't say, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, I, I, I pray that you're pursuing a life in that new family and people can identify your family by what you do or don't do. Not because you live by rules, but because you have a father that you love deeply that you could cry out, Abba, Father. That, and people say, you know what? Yeah, you are. It's amazing. Have you ever noticed when you meet another Christian that you know they're a believer? Instant family, right? It's crazy. I went to Israel. I met a guy, and his brother lived in England. And I said, do you think we could stay at his house? You know, I'm always, a, it's like, you know, it's cheaper to stay at somebody's house than a hotel, right? And I'm like, he goes, yeah, let's call him. He's like, hey, David, I got, a, I got a brother in Christ over here. He's, he's going, he's coming over to your place. He's like, yeah, yeah, he can stay at our house. Here's the thing, though. You come to his house, he leaves the next day and goes to the United States for holiday. He says, here's the keys. Oh, and there's a car. You can drive the car. That's family. <laughs> right? And there's a lot of people in my family that aren't driving my car. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, no. I'm like, that's family. I babysat their daughter. I didn't, I only met this guy one day. It's like, there's this instant connection because of the Holy Spirit. We're family forever. That's why we can't say, oh, I hate you, but I love you. You're going to be family forever. You're going to stand before God one day with that, that hated brother, and, and you're going to look at God face to face knowing that he knows that you know that you called that brother right there, I hate you. It ain't going to last very long. As soon as you come face to face with the Lord, his love for you is going to wash over you and you're going to realize how stupid you were to say, I hate you. Because we're family for eternity. We need to act like it more. The more we love Christ, the more we love the Lord, the more we love our Father, guess what? The more we're going to love each other. It's just natural. By the way, it's, it's sacrificial love, and sometimes we sacrifice more for others, right? It's hard sometimes. But we love each other, not because we're good, but because God is great. We're adopted.
It's so it's such a blessing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you adopted me. Thank you that, Lord, I got to experience three times at being adopted. I, I remember every church that I went to, I got to experience being adopted into a new church family. What a blessing. I always knew that I had people around me who cared enough to confront me when I was sinning, to pick me up when I was falling, to laugh with me when life was funny and to cry with me when life was sad, to listen, to say the things I didn't want to hear all the time. But Lord, ultimately, walking closer with you day by day in this new family of God. Lord, I thank you so much for what you have done for us and what that means that you gave us the spirit of adoption. We look and we long for that inheritance that you will bring to us and fulfill when you return and we live with you for the rest of eternity because we've been sealed with the promise, the Holy Spirit, that Lord has guaranteed our inheritance. We have full assurance because we're adopted. We know where we stand. There is no, the language here, there's nothing to worry about. For the rest of eternity, we know right where we stand because of what you did for us when you died on the cross for our sins and you rose again. Jesus, when you became obedient to pay our debt that we could not pay so we could be adopted, free and clear. Old Old life is gone and a new life has come. We get to live with you with all the rights and privileges and one day stand before the throne and look at you and not bow down as a king would to a subject, but we get to crawl up on that throne and say, Father, Father, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father, and worship you for eternity with no fear of death, of pain, diseases, no distractions, just you and us as your sons and daughters. What a privilege, Lord. May we treat it as such. May we rejoice as such. May we worship you and glorify you with our lives as such that we are carrying around this relationship with our new family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.